Chapter Sixteen of Tales of Mean Streets. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tales of Mean Streets by Arthur Morrison. Chapter Sixteen: A Conversion. There are some poor criminals that never have a chance. Circumstances are against them from the first as they explain with tears to sympathetic mission readers circumstances had always been against scotty lund the gun the word gun it may be explained is a friendly synonym for thief his first name was properly james but that had long been forgotten scotty meant nothing in particular was derived from nothing and was not apparently the invention of any distinct person still it was commonly his only name and most of his acquaintances had also nicknames of similarly vague origin. Scuddy was a man of fine feelings, capable of a most creditable hour of rapturous misery after hearing perhaps at a sing-song put me in my little bed, or any other ditty that was rank enough in sentiment, wherefore the mission readers never really despaired of him. He was a small, shabby man of twenty-six, but looking younger, with a runaway chin, a sharp yellow face, and tremulously sly eyes, with but faint traces of hair on his face. He had a great deal of it, straight and ragged and dirty, on his head. Scotty Lund's misfortunes began early. Temptation had prevailed against him when he was at school, but that was nothing. He became errand boy in a grocery shop, and complications with the till brought him, a howling penitent, to the police court. Here, while his mother hid her head in the waiting-room, he set forth the villainy of older boys who had prompted him to sin, and got away with no worse than a lettuce on the evils of bad company. So that a philanthropist found him a better situation at a distance, where the evil influence could no longer move him. Here he stayed a good while, longer than some who had been there before him, but who had to leave because of vanishing postal orders nevertheless the postal orders still went and in the end he confessed to another magistrate and fervently promised to lead a better life if his false start were only forgiven betting he protested was this time the author of his fall and as that pernicious institution was clearly to blame for the unhappy young man's ruin the lamenting magistrate let him off with a simple month in consideration of his misfortune and the intercession of his employer who had never heard of the grocer and his till. After his month, Scuddy went regularly into business as a lob-crawler, that is to say he returned to his first love, the till, not narrowly to any individual till, but broad-mindedly to the till as a general institution, to be approached in unattended shops by stealthy groveling on the belly. This he did until he perceived the greater security and comfort of waiting without while a small boy did the actual work within from this and with this he ventured on peter claiming laying hands nonchalantly on unconsidered parcels and bags at railway stations until a day when bearing a fat portmanteau he ran against its owner by the door of a refreshment bar this time the responsibility lay with drink strong drink he declared with deep emotion had been his ruin he dated his downfall from the day when a false friend persuaded him to take a social glass. 
he would still have been an honest upright self-respecting young man but for the cursed drink from that moment he would never touch it more the case was met with three months with hard labor and for all that scotty lund had so clearly pointed out to the culpability of drink he had to do the drag himself but the mission readers were comforted for clearly there was hope for one whose eyes were so fully open to the causes of his degradation after the drag scotty for long made a comfortable living free from injurious overwork in the several branches of lob crawling and peter climbing with an occasional deviation into parley jumping it is true that this last did sometimes involve unpleasant exertion when the window was high and the boy heavy to bunk up and it was necessary at times to run but scuddy was out of work and hunger drove him to anything so long as it was light and not too risky and it is marvellous to reflect how much may be picked up in the streets and at the side doors of london and the suburbs without danger or vulgar violence and so scuddy's life went on with occasional misfortunes in the way of a moon or another drag or perhaps a sixer and the mission readers never despaired because the real cause was always hunger or thirst or betting or a sudden temptation or something quite exceptional never anything like real hardened unblushing wickedness and the man himself was always truly penitent he made such touching references to his innocent childhood and was so grateful for good advice or anything else you might give him one bold attempt scuddy made to realize his desire for better things he resolved to depart from his evil ways and to become a narc a copper's narc which is a police spy or informer the work was not hard there was no imprisonment and he would make amends for the past but hardly had he begun his narking when some of the kate street mob dropped on him in brick lane and bashed him full sore this would never do so once more implacable circumstance drove him to his old courses and there was this added discomfort that no boy would parlor jump nor dip the lob for him indeed they bawled aloud yes guddy lund the copper's nark so that the hand of all flower and dean street was against him scuddy grew very sad these and other matters were heavy upon his heart on an evening when with nothing in his pockets but the piece of coal that he carried for luck he turned aimlessly up baker's row things were very bad it was as though the whole world knew him and watched shopkeepers stood frowningly at their doors people sat defiantly on piles of luggage at the railway stations and there was never a peter to touch for all the areas were empty and there were no side doors left unguarded where failing the more desirable wedge one might claim a pair or two of daisies put out for cleaning all the hundred trifling things that commonly came freely to hand in a mile or two of streets were somehow swept out of the world's economy and scuddy tramped into baker's row in melting mood why were things so hard for some and so easy for others it was not as though he were to blame he a man of feeling and sentiment why were others living comfortable lives unvexed of any dread of the police and apart from that why did other gonnifs get lucky touches for half a century of quids at a time while he but there the world was one brutal oppression and he was its most pitiable victim and he slunk along dank with the pathos of things 
at a corner a group was standing about a woman whose voice was uplifted to a man's accompaniment on a stand accordion scuddy listened she sang with a harsh tremble and sang a song of ohm sweet ohm the song that reached my heart ohm ohm sweet sweet ohm she sang the song of ohm sweet home that song that reached my heart here indeed was something in tune with scuddy's fine feelings he looked up from the darkening sky the evening star winked through the smoke from a factory chimney from a near came an exquisite scent of savaloys plaintive influences all he tried to think of ohm himself of ohm strictly in the abstract so that it might reach his heart he stood for some minutes torbid and mindless oozing with sentiment till the song ended and he went on fine feelings fine he crossed the road and took a turning a lame old woman sat in a recess selling trotters where a dark passage led back to a mission hall about the opening a man hovered fervent watchful and darted forth on passerbys. he laid his hand on scuddy's shoulder and said my dear friend will you come and ear the word of the lord jesus christ scuddy turned the sound of an harmonium in many strenuous voices came faintly down the passage it was his mood why not give his fine feelings another little run he would he would go in trotters quavered the lame old woman looking up wistfully to a penny to a penny but no he went up the passage and she turned patiently to her board along the passage the singing grew louder and burst on his ears unchecked as he pushed open the door at the end whosoever will whosoever will send the proclamation over vale and ill tis a loving father calls the wanderer home whosoever will may come a man by the door knew him at once for a stranger and found him a seat the hymn went quavering to an end and the preacher in charge a small bright-eyed man with rebellious hair and a surprisingly deep voice announced that brother spires would offer a prayer the man prayed with his every faculty he was a sturdy red-necked artisan great of hand and wiry of beard a smith perhaps or a bricklayer he spread his arms wide and his head thrown back brought forth with passion and pain his fervid disordered sentences as he went on his throat swelled and convulsed in desperate knots and the sweat hung thick on his face he called for grace that every unsaved soul there might come to the fold and believe that night or if not all then some even a few that at least one only one poor soul might be plucked as a brand from the burning and as he flung together with clumsy travail his endless formless unconsidered vehemences of uttermost cockney the man stood transfigured admirable from here and there came deep amens then more with gasps groans and sobs scuddy lund carried away luxuriously on a tide of grievous sensation groaned with the others the prayer ended in a chorus of ejaculations then there was a hymn somebody stuffed an open hymn-book into scuddy's hand but he scarce saw it abandoning himself to the mesmeric influence of the many who were singing about him he plunged and revelled in a debauch of emotion he heard he even joined in but understood nothing for his feelings filled him to overflowing i have a robe tis resplendent in whiteness awaiting in glory my wondering view 
oh when i receive it all shining in brightness dear friend could i see you receiving one too for you i am praying for you i am praying for you i am praying i'm praying for you the hymn ceased all sat down and the preacher began his discourse quietly at first and then though in a different way with all the choking fervour of the man who had prayed for the preacher was fluent as well as zealous and his words except when emotion stayed them poured in a torrent he preached faith salvation in faith declaiming beseeching commanding come come now is the appointed time only believe only come only only come to impassioned broken entreaty he added sudden command and the menace of eternity but broke away pitifully again in urgent pleadings pantings gasps pointing above spreading his arms abroad stretching them forth imploringly come only come sobs broke out in more than one place a woman bowed her head and rocked while her shoulders shook again brother spire's face was alight with joy a tremor a throw of the senses ran through the assembly as through a single body the preacher nearing his peroration rose to a last frenzy of adjuration then ending in a steadier key he summoned any to stand forth who had found grace that night his bright strenuous eyes were on the sobbers charging them drawing them first rose the woman who had bowed her head her face uncovered but distorted and twitching still weeping but wrapped and unashamed she tottered out between the seats and sank at last on the vacant form in front next a child a little maid of ten length-legged and outgrown of her short skirts her eyes squeezed down on a tight knot of pocket handkerchief crying wildly broken-heartedly sobbed and blundered over seat corners and toes and sat down forlorn and solitary at the other end of the form and after her came scutty lunn why he knew not nor cared in the full enjoyment of a surfeit of indefinite emotion tearful rapturous he had accepted the command put on him by the preacher and he had come forth walking on clouds regenerate compact of fine feelings there was a short prayer of thanks and then a final hymn ring the bells of evan there is joy to-day for a soul returning from the wild scuddy felt a curious equitable lightness of spirits a serene cheerfulness his emotional orgasm was spent and in its place was a numb calm pleasant enough glory glory how the angels sing glory glory how the loud arps ring tis the ransomed army like a mighty sea pealing forth the anthem of the free the service ended the congregation trooped forth into the evening but scuddy sat where he was for the preacher wanted a few words with his converts ere he would let them go he shook hands with scuddy lund and spoke with grave smiling confidence about his soul brother spires also shook hands with him and bespoke his return on sunday in the cool air of the empty passage scuddy's ordinary faculties began to assert themselves still in an atmosphere of calm cheer fine feelings fine and as he turned the piece of coal in his pocket he reflected that after all the day had not been altogether unlucky not in every sense a blank emerging into the street he saw that the lame old woman who was almost alone in view 
had risen on her crutch and turned her back to roll her white cloth over her remaining trotters on the ledge behind stood her little pile of coppers just reckoned scuddy lund's practice eye took the case in a flash with two long tiptoed steps he reached the coppers lifted them silently and hurried away up the street he did not run for the woman was lame and had not heard him no decidedly the day had not been blank for here was a hot supper End of chapter 16